0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiphany. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, it is good to be in the house of God with everybody, with the believers and, and, and those of you who have trusted in Jesus. It's good to be here gathered uh, with you today, God has given us another Sunday, and never take that for granted. The fact that you woke up this morning uh, is sheer grace. You shouldn't have woke up, but it was sheer grace that you woke up this morning. And uh, we we're in here to give God the praise. That's why we're here, so Jesus' name can be praised. Uh, this morning, I woke up and I was um, I was singing a song, but I was also thinking about uh, the the verse in in Proverbs, Proverbs 18. It says, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower; the righteous run in and are safe." I think sometimes we hear verses like that, and we let them, we let them go over our head. But think about that: the name of the the name that we are in here praising is a strong tower; the righteous get to run in, and we are safe. When I was thinking about that verse, I was um, I was singing a, a old hymn, Pentecostal hymn. Yeah, I don't know if y'all would know it. I taught it to the first service. Uh, so if if we can. If we can do it together in here, that'd be great. The song go like this. His name shall be praised. Just like this. His name shall be praised. If y'all know it, sing it. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. His name. That's the whole song. That's it. His name shall be praised. Come on, y'all sing it. His name shall be praised. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. His name. Now you got it, y'all. Come on, sing. His name. His name. Shall be praised. His name shall be praised. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. His name shall be praised. Thank God, His name shall be praised. His name shall be praised. Somebody should stand up and be free in the Lord. is a mighty tower. His name. Turn this mic on over here. His name. His name, his name shall be, be praised. There it His is. name. His name shall be praised. His his praise. name shall be the praised. name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower with his name shall be praised. Thank God. His name shall be praised. His name. His name shall be the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. Let the his band just play. Shall be Everybody. Clap your hands. Hey. Come on, let's have some churchy here. We ain't here for a little bit. Come on, y'all. Come on, Matthias the name of the Lord is a mighty tower his name shall be praised his name shall be praised his name shall be praised the name of the Lord is a mighty tower his name shall be praised come on let's yeah, praise the name of a yeah. good God in here Hallelujah. hallelujah the name of the lord is a strong tower we get to run in and we are safe i don't know man if that don't that don't wrap up your spirit and get you get you feeling good makes me feel like uh old time church old uh, bishop kenneth moose used to sing songs like that and uh, man i don't i don't know man so it does something to me that's them, them type of songs they used to say they used to keep us yeah. <laughs> that's what they used to say uh, back in the day, but man, praise the name of the Lord. That's why we're in here. Let's do it. Let's get into the Word of God. Uh, if you can grab your Bibles, go to the New Testament, the book of Peter. Uh, he has two letters. We're gonna go to the first one. It's the book of First Peter. A shout out to the men that went fishing yesterday. Uh, man, were the men sleep? Just y'all, y'all. The both the little boys caught the the fish, and shout out to y'all. Men must have been asleep. Caleb, I heard you got honorary mention. That's just first place loser. That's all that is. That's all that is. Not little boys, big boys, big boys. Uh, but man, shout out to the men. Um, I also, I just want to, a couple of things real quick before we dig into the word. Uh, just as I've been doing every week, I want to encourage you and thank you. Uh, first, thank you for your generosity. Uh, we are still raising money for the lift. Those of you who are, um, may not know what I'm talking about, we uh. Got approved by the DOB, and they gave us one, um, one disclaimer that we had to put a, a lift into the building. So we priced it at somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000. And we asked you, we were like, man, it's, a, it's above budget. It's, it's, we weren't expecting it. And you guys came with unexpected generosity. I actually can tell you where we're at now. We've raised $16,000 in three weeks. God is good, he be providing, man. And it's all because of God using people like you. You know, we, we don't have a sugar daddy that just drops the money in. God, God, God gives it through, through his people. So we are grateful for God's faithfulness. Um, and just want to encourage those of you who haven't given to that, um, please, if you could think about the church. Um, I, I say it a lot, but it's true. I don't know what a st- stingy Christian is. That doesn't make sense to me. At the core of what the gospel is, is generosity. That God gave his one and only son. And because he gave his one and only son, I now want to be generous. And I'm not saying don't save your money. I'm not saying don't spend your money on you. Listen, enjoy yourself. But I am saying that if you enjoy yourself at the expense of giving God something, it ain't even about an amount. It's just whatever you can give. Because remember, a couple weeks ago, we saw that God was able to use a donkey to ride Jesus on the back of generosity. So I just want to encourage you, those of you who haven't given, if you would consider the church. And it's not just about the lift, by the way. Generosity has to run beyond a building project. Generosity actually has to be a model of your life. One of the ways that you showcase the gospel is by generosity. So we don't give because we're cursed with a curse. We give because Jesus has given everything he gave his life. And so because of that, we respond back by giving. Uh, also, real quick, before we dig into First Peter, 1 Peter. Um, Every August, my family and I take, uh, take a sabbatical. Can we thank God my two boys are here? <laughs> Amen. And my wife, uh, we've, uh, when we first started the church, they were, they were little boys, man. They were small. And, you know, before we had people helping, they was outside putting up the flag. I've got pictures of my youngest son filling up the baptism pool um, and, you know, just serving in ways uh, that, was, that we needed And, you know, uh, as 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 a family, you know, I don't know if you know this, but ministry can be very taxing Can be very, very taxing. It can be weighty uh, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And so um, we're we're taking off uh, for the next five weeks, uh, month of August and the first week of September, we will be on what they call sabbatical. Here's what Jesus says about that in Mark chapter six. He says, come away for a while to a desolate place so that you can rest. Sometimes we can we, we can think that ministry is always doing, 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 doing. And this is a word for you. Sometimes ministry is resting. And let me just say, you rest well, you can rest better when work is done. When you, when you are working, you can't rest from rest. I'm talking to somebody that's lazy right now. You can't rest from rest. You got to rest from work. And so uh, it's been a very, very busy season. I think the pandemic uh, for us and our family kind of made... Uh, ministry felt like it started over in some way. So we were running a race. I was sharing this with some people yesterday. We were running a race and it felt like we, you know, somebody blew the gun and said, start back over at the starting line. And we started running again at full speed. And that's just very taxing and tiring. So uh, we're going to get some rest. Uh, Ty and I are celebrating 20 years on Wednesday. (laughs) 20 years, man. Ty was 18 when I met her. And I was 19. She is now 25, and I'm 26. And we've been—that math ain't mathing—but we've been married for 20 years. Somehow, the Lord just did a miracle. I don't know what He did. Uh, But I met her. We were—we were both kids when we met. Had no aspirations for uh, to—to be in ministry, Uh, but to do this journey along with her, my best friend, my best friend by far. It's a—it's a landslide. Um, To be able to do ministry with her is just—it's phenomenal. So we going gonna—we're gonna go away. We're gonna get some time together and celebrate our anniversary. So uh, if you guys could pray for us, we'll be praying for you. By the way, the pulpit is going to be completely taken care of. Uh, I don't know if you know this name, but a guy by the name of uh, Pastor Rich Perez, he was in Washington Heights. He's now down in Atlanta. Extremely phenomenal preacher. He's actually covering three Sundays in August. Uh, So you will, you don't want to miss it. He's incredible. Uh, But also Pastor uh, Craig Holiday, he usually comes to our first service. Amen. He's going to be preaching. Uh, Pastor Timmy's going to be taking one of the Sundays, and uh, I'm I'm just excited to. Uh, I'm excited for the fact that even though we're resting, Jesus is still present, and He's still here, and He's still moving, and the Holy Spirit's still in the building. Uh, so I'll be praying for y'all. All right, let's get to it. First Peter chapter one. I'm gonna jump right in, verse three. Actually, verse thirteen. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Verse 16, as it is written. Now he's going to quote Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. You shall be holy for I am holy. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, A Call to Holiness. Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, um, man, we pursue a lot of things in life. Um, we pursue jobs and careers, and we pursue aspirations. Many of us set goals, and we pursue goals. Uh, one of the areas, Lord, that I want to make sure that we are pursuing is holiness, Because you never saved us with the intent that we would stay the same never it was not your intention but built into this thing called a relationship with you is a journey of sanctification It's a journey of spiritual growth it's not a moment it's a journey so father as we dig into this text and you call us not me but you call us to a higher level of holiness and sanctification lord i pray that you would speak to our hearts May, may we see Jesus in the text, Lord, please, Lord, help us to open our eyes so that we can behold the wondrous things out of your law, which points us to the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. It's in his name, and his name alone we pray. Amen. Uh, as we continue to move forward as a church, I think one of the things that I have been discerning and just really praying about, um, usually on Mondays, not every Monday, but usually on Mondays when nobody's in the building Uh, I'll kind of walk the seats and 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 pray and walk the space and kind of pray sometimes I'm over here in the musician corner and just praying And one of the things I've been I've been sensing that the Lord is doing is just continued growth as a church And when I say growth, I want to be clear that I'm talking about not just numeric growth, although that's a piece I'm talking about spiritual growth I'm talking about growth in systems and structure. I think all around, I think one of the things I'm hoping for is like, Lord, help us help us to grow. But even in that desire and and honestly, I think a discernment of sensing that that's the Lord's heart for Epiphany Church is to grow. I think even in that, I want to be careful because everything that grows isn't healthy. Tumors grow. Cancer grows and spreads. Cysts grow. And those things typically grow and try to suck the nutrients out of your body so that you are less healthy. The rest of the body is less healthy. And so what I want to pastor the room with and those of you who are online, I want to pastor us in growing in holiness. Because I'm less interested in pastoring a church that's just filled with a bunch of people that come and take notes and then don't apply. I I, want to pastor a church that, that is serious about looking more like Jesus. Like, I really love them. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not. This ain't no like this ain't no job, you know, as a as a step to something else. I am so serious about this idea of holiness. Another word you can use is sanctification. Another word you can use is spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. Somebody say holiness. holiness. Now, I noticed, Caleb, we got work to do with this idea of holiness, because many of us come in with baggage. As it relates to the idea of holiness for some of you when I said holiness you thought prayer cloths and long skirts and let me I better not watch that show that got the sex scenes in it you know I, I better not do them edibles you know we, that's that's the stuff you know I, don't cuss don't drink don't smoke and I'm holy but that's all external. In fact, the Bible goes deeper than that. There's, there's, there's really two types of holiness that I want to point us to. So here's what I'm going to do. Before we dig into the text, let me deconstruct the idea that you have in your mind of holiness and then reconstruct it with God's word of what holiness is. There, there's two doctrinal terms as it relates to holiness. The first one is positional holiness. Write that down somewhere positional holiness or you might see it as positional sanctification same thing positional holiness is the state of holiness that is imputed to the Christian the moment they are converted the moment that you've trusted in Jesus do you realize that you are deemed as holy but the the very moment you ain't got to wait till next week you ain't got to take a holiness class you ain't got to wait to baptism the moment you have professed faith in Jesus Christ Positionally, God has seen you as holy. Let me put Bible here real quick. Colossians chapter one, verse 22. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh uh, by his death in order to present you as holy and blameless and above reproach the moment that you trusted in jesus god looks at you and he doesn't see the stuff that you're still struggling with by the way you are still struggling but the moment he sees you he doesn't see that you know what he sees the the blood of jesus smeared on your life and so he looks from heaven and he looks down at all of us that are trifling and he says holy now that messes me up that messes me up because i know me I'm, I'm reading it's like I'm not holy. Oh oh but positionally I am holy. When God looks down, he considers me as holy. Now here's the thing: even though we all know that positionally we are holy, y'all know we still act a fool. So there's another doctrinal term. The other doctrinal term is called progressive holiness our progressive sanctification. So positional sanctification happens the moment that you trust in Jesus. God has deemed you as holy, which is why when you get before God, he's going to say, well done thy good and faithful service It's servant. It's not because you actually did a good job, but it's because you believe in the one that actually did do the good job and he's imputed that righteousness to you. And so now you are considered as holy. Well done. Come on in. But then there's this idea of progressive sanctification, progressive sanctification, Is the process in our daily lives in which we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Do you know that when you trust in Jesus, you are then indwelled with the Holy Spirit? One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to take out uh, some tools and to chisel your life slowly to look more like Jesus. And so over time, you begin to uh, the sin that used to hold you down. You then begin to overcome. And I'm able now to overcome because of progressive sanctification. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And then he says three things. He says, in which you received, in which you stand, and in which you are being saved. That, that, that speaks to the idea of progressive sanctification. So yeah, the moment you believe in, in Christ, yeah, you are deemed as righteous, but y'all know we still mess up. Y'all know the Christian life ain't like this. Y'all know the Christian life is like this and we fall and we fall and we make mistakes. But but the thing is, don't stay down. There's always built into your relationship with God a thing called grace. And, and grace helps the process of progressive holiness. And so there's two ideas you should have wrote down. There's positional holiness that happens the moment you believe. And then there's progressive. By the way, progressive holiness doesn't stop until you die or until the Lord comes back for you. There's no, I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. You could be 110 years old and you got saved at two. You're still growing because there's never a moment you you don't graduate from progressive holiness. We we always got struggles and something new is always presented because sin is in you. Yeah, God saved you from the penalty of sin, but He ain't saved you from the presence of it. Sin is around us. Sin is in us. So there's there's this idea of progressive sanctification. Now here's what Peter will do. Man, Peter is so dope. Peter writes this letter, which by the way isn't like a letter to the church at Rome, where that letter. To the church at Rome, the Bible says Phoebe, who was a deacon in the, in the church, carries the letter all the way to the church at Rome. It's not like um, the letter to the, 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 to the Ephesians, to the, to the church at Ephesus. It's not like the letter to the church at Corinth. This letter here, Peter's letter, would have circulated to a bunch of churches. In fact, verse one says that it went around to Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bethnia. And so his letter would have circled to a bunch of churches. And do you know what he does when he starts the letter? The first 12 verses, he devotes them to their salvation. Let me say it another way. He secures them in their salvation. Don't miss. If you miss this, the whole sermon won't make sense. Verses one to 12 sets the stage for verse 13 to 16, which is where we're at today. And if you get these confused, you are preaching an entirely different gospel. Now, what he does in verse one to 12 is he constantly reminds them, you've been saved. You've been saved. He does not start with holiness. He starts with salvation. Let, let me kind of walk you through this. In, in verse number two, he says this, according to the foreknowledge of God, our father, in, in the sanctification of the spirit for obedience to Christ Jesus and for the sprinkling of his blood. That's salvation, because his blood got sprinkled for our salvation in, in the same verse. Verse number two, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. You only say grace and peace to believers. Salvation. He then goes in verse number three, he says, he has caused us to be born again. Born again is salvation. In verse number five, he says, uh, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation. Y'all rocking with me? Verse number nine, obtaining the outcome of your faith, faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse number 10, concerning this salvation. Verse number 11, the sufferings of Christ. Christ suffered for our salvation. Verse number 12, those who he preached the good news, you only preach the good news so that sinners can be reconciled to God. That is salvation. So he spends the verse 12 verses saying, you're securing your salvation. You are securing your salvation. You're securing your salvation. And then he gets to verse 13. And Mama D, he says, now live right. Oh, don't don't miss this. What we've done is many of us have grown up and we've reversed it. And so we don't go for we think that our holiness leads to salvation. But look at the progression of the text. He says salvation leads to holiness. Don't don't mess this up, because if you twist these, what we get is a merit based gospel. And Paul was saying in the book of Galatians that if you preach a merit based gospel, he doesn't say you distorted the gospel. He said it's a whole nother gospel. That's a whole nother message, because the message of Christ is that Christ redeems sinners and then sinners journey on the rest of their life to look more like Christ. And so I I don't try to live right to be saved. I try to live right because I am saved. Oh, I need somebody to say amen right there. And that frees me up from performance. Jair, I don't got to perform for God. See, if if verses 13 to 16 was reversed and holy living preceded salvation, then what I am doing is I'm putting on the hat, the gloves and I'm doing my dance before God. But God is like, you don't got to perform for me. I love you. Saved. Now live like it. And that's the progression of the text. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. He doesn't say because you kept my commandments, I love you. He says, no, no, no. If you love me, it is the love for me that allows you to keep my commandment, that should motivate you to keep my commandments. And so I I love what I love what Peter does here. Peter does not start this letter and says, hey, be holy because God is holy. No, no, no. You're saved. And now that you're saved, now that's the you can launch a holiness off the platform of salvation. It's Adrian Rogers that said it well. He says holiness it's not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. And when you reverse those, it is absolutely disastrous. So what he does now in verse 13 is he reaches back to verses one through 12 and then he connects them to verse 13 to 16 and he does it with one word. Look at what he says in verse 13. Therefore, anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore therefore? Therefore, is connecting a preceding thought with the next thought. And so these aren't, verse 13 and 16 ain't disconnected from what he previously said. He said earlier, You're saved, you're saved. Y'all saw how many times I said it? it was like seven or eight times. You're saved, you're saved. And then finally, he gets to verse 13 and he says, Holiness now can be launched off of that platform. So he says, Therefore, therefore what? I'm going to tell you how to move into holiness. The first thing that you need to do when it comes to holiness is preparing your minds. You know, I love the fact that he did not start with holy living by behavior modification. He did not give a list of just stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. And you and God are cool. He starts by saying, forget action. What about your mind? Because holiness, see your mind, this idea of preparing your mind in the original language, the Greek is it's girding up the loins of your mind. And so what this what this lends itself to is back in the day when they would have on long robes, if they needed to work or they needed to run or they needed to go into battle, they would take their robes and they would tuck them into their loins, into their belt. And then they were ready for battle. So what he is saying is, take your minds, gird up the loins of your minds and prepare for battle. Because the mind is the battleground for holiness. Hello? Holiness don't start with behavior. Boo-boo, long before it was an action, it was a thought. Nobody just falls into sin. You ain't fall into it, you thought about it. And you thought about it and you rehearsed it and you put it in your mind. And so what what Peter is saying is gird up the loins of your mind because holiness has to first start in your mind. Our problem is we think that it begins at behavior. Our our, our problem is we're we're trying so hard. God, I I just got to stop doing it. I just got to stop doing it. No, first stop thinking it and replace unhealthy thoughts with the word of God. So sin doesn't start in the bedroom. Starts in your mind. Sin doesn't start with with the lack of character and lack of integrity. It starts in your mind. Write this down. One of the greatest ways that you can fight sin is in your thought process. I know it's not that deep, but just write it down. One of the greatest ways that you can fight sin is in your thought process. This is why Paul will pick it up in Second Corinthians chapter five. And he said, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. He, he says, take every thought captive. And then he goes on to say and make it obedient to Christ. That's discipline. So take every thought. You, y'all know them thoughts that don't nobody know about. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Them thoughts that we ain't share with nobody. That them, them thoughts that we let, you know, we entertain in our mind. I said this before, but what if I took all of your thoughts and I put them right here? Y'all know how embarrassed we'd be and I put your name on it. Somebody been thinking. Somebody got some stinking thinking. Can you imagine what, how we would feel if we took, if, see, that's the thing. Honestly, Christianity is real or fake, not based on behavior, but based on your thought. And what I mean by that is you can fake all of us out. I've been in church long enough. I know when to lift my hands up. I know how to come to the altar and cry. I know how to fake everybody out, but you can't fake God out with your thought process. It becomes real on that level. It becomes real there. And so he says, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, if we if we spent half the time and discipline on our minds as we do on our bodies, we would be a lot further along. I mean, I know I'm talking to vegetarians in this room. Some of y'all are non-GMO, non-gluten. Some of y'all work out. I, Elijah, when you came in, I was checking out your arms. You, you know, I, I'm dangling up under here. And I'm not full out like you, you know what I'm saying? But I, I look around and I wonder, I look on Instagram and I see y'all in the weight room and y'all doing inclines and pow, y'all screaming, ah, oh, jumping and all that stuff. You know, y'all, y'all are doing all of this stuff for our bodies. What if we took half the time and prepared our minds the way we do our bodies? We are so concerned about our bodies, but we don't give the thoughts that are in our minds the same attention. Bruh, you can't be non-GMO and nasty in your mind. Sis, you can't be a, you can't be a vegetarian and stare at gray sweatpants all day. I'm just sit on, I'm I'm on down for a second. <laughs> Cause I know I'm preaching. Last week I said this, but I don't know if y'all feeling me. Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. And then, and then he needs some reinforcement. So Job says the same thing. Job says, dress for battle. And that's when, when I say prepare your mind, listen, holiness, notice I ain't get to no behavior yet. I got got on the stuff that roams around our mind. And you know, this is why discipleship is so important. And I'm not just going to say discipleship, but authentic discipleship. Because I feel like you need a group of people in your life that you can be honest with. And so you need to have somebody in your life that you can be like, girl, let me tell you what popped in my mind earlier. I'm serious. Because I know it popped in your mind. We need to have friends that we can go, bro, yo, I'm struggling with porn. I have all these thoughts in my mind. I'm, I'm imagining these things. You need to have somebody you can confess that to that will hold you accountable, that doesn't care if you get offended when they tell you you're wrong. That's what we need in our life holiness can't be done by yourself you need the holy spirit and a group of people it's our minds it's our thinking so he says look prepare your minds but i don't only need you to prepare your mind he then sticks on this idea of the mind he says uh therefore preparing our minds for action and being sober minded sober minded but by the way sober minded is mentioned six times in the new testament this word sober minded and Three of them, three out of the six are used by Peter. He loves this word. He loves this idea of being, so being sober minded is the idea of being alert. It's, it's the idea of, of being ready, of, of not, you know, being ready for battle. And it holds the idea of being drunk, but it's not an actual physical drunk. It's a spiritual fog. It's a spirit. And when you when you clutter your mind with a bunch of world stuff. And you fill your heart with a bunch of stuff that, you know, is is anti the gospel, anti Christ. After a while, you're going to be wondering why I can't stop doing this when you're feeding your mind with something that you shouldn't. So he says, be sober minded. You know, this is not the only time he uses this idea of be sober minded. He uses it in chapter five as well. And in chapter five, when he does it, he says, be sober minded. Be watchful for your adversary. The devil prowls around like a lion. Imagine that. He says that there is a spiritual lion. Do you know that a lion's one one job is to devour you? That's all he wants to do. Now, you know, know, if a physical lion was roaming around Brooklyn, you wouldn't pick that day to be drunk. You wouldn't. Think about it. If 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 a real physical lion was roaming around, you would not go to Mr. Liquor's. And, and get a bottle of Prosecco and polish it off. But why do we do that when it comes to our minds? There is an actual spiritual lion that is actually present right now. That's one job is to devour you. You know, he doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to kill you. He doesn't want to mess with you. He wants to devour you. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. We think he wants to borrow. He's like, I want to steal. You think he wants to hurt? He's like, no, I want to kill. I think he wants to just mess over. You know, I, I want to devour you. I want to destroy you. And so Paul P- Peter says today, be spiritually alert. And I know I'm not naive. I'm not a young pastor. I've been passionate for a while now. Some of y'all came in here and you're taking tequila shots. Spiritual tequila shots. And you're not sober. So some, somebody in here is taking that peach Ciroc and you're taking it back. And God is looking at you and God is like, oh, they not alert. Their they mind is in a fog. But, you know, this morning when I got up, I was praying. And I was going, Lord, I was going, Lord, I, Lord I, I really do want to pastor a church that is fully spiritually alert. A church that I prayed that you would have sharper discernment. I pray that you would have a deeper insight into the things of God. I pray that you would understand and have, have, have hold to the mysteries of the faith. I pray that you would fight in your mind to keep Christ central. This is why we say Christ is central, because he has to first be central in your mind. You f- constantly have to be saying, "What would, you know, back in the day we said, oh, what would Jesus do bracelets on? That was real. That's what we need to be asking ourselves all the time. That's keeping Christ central. Well, what would Christ be doing? He says, be sober minded in your mind. And this is why um, as a church, we're serious about doctrine, we're serious about theology. I'm not I'm not preaching Theology for you, or we're not preaching theology for you to just take notes. We're actually preaching it so that behavior can change. We 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 preach about, you know, theology is nothing more than the study of God. We are preaching about the study of God week in and week out and the work that He has done through His Son Jesus Christ, because we want you to walk out of here and be able to sense when the enemy is present. And sometimes, you know, that's the thing about the Lion. He don't always come to you and Looking like a lion. Sometimes he actually got nice abs. Sometimes his skin is nice. It's, it's popping. It's dewy. So, so Sometimes he got nice teeth. Sometimes the Instagram is right. And you never know how the enemy seeps in there. And then the lion appears. And that's the thing about the lion. You don't know until he devours you. See, lions don't just they don't walk up on you and be like, yo, my name is, you know, that's not how they work. They typically sneak up on you and you don't know it until it's too late. So this is why he says, gird up the loins of your mind. So prepare for battle. Oh, and be sober minded. Well, why am I sober minded? What, what else? What else can help me with holiness? Look at verse number We'll go back to verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse uh, number 14. Look at these three words as obedient children. The one thing that will help you with holiness is to be obedient to God, obedient at all costs. And obedience doesn't mean that you obey with the stuff that you like. It means you obey with the stuff that you don't like. So, there are sometimes you come in here and, and you hear the word, and yeah, you should walk out and feel encouraged, and you should be like, yes and amen. And there are sometimes you should walk out saying, ouch, and I'm offended. Yeah. And I'm offended because God is calling me to a higher level of obedience. He says here, be, be, be obedient as, as children. Do you, do you know that children, like every parent knows that the one thing I expect is obedience? It's the one thing I expect. Now, you may not always obey, but I, I expect you to obey. And here's what our religiosity has done. We've replaced obedience with saying, but God, I memorized it. That's what we do. We read the scripture, but like, oh, I ain't got to obey it. I just got parse Greek over it. And you think that you and God are good. You know, last night I was telling my sons, I don't know which one of them cleaned the kitchen, but we told both of them the kitchen needs to be clean tonight. You know, we going to bed, kitchen needs to be clean because they're going to hold up their end of the bargain of living in the house rent free. Amen. <laughs> and so I said, when I come downstairs, I'm expecting that the dishes going to be clean. You know what neither one of them did? Neither one of them went and played the game and then came back to me and said, I memorized what you said. You said clean the dishes. And I looked in the, in, the, in the sink, and the dish is still in the sink. I'm not happy that you memorized it. I'm only happy when you obey it. Can you imagine if they called their friends and was like, yo, come over. We're going to have a small group. And the small group going to be the topic going to be how to clean the dishes. And we're going we gonna to talk for two hours. We're going to share food. And we're going to walk away. And we're going to be like, I learned what it means to clean the dishes. But then they're not obedient to cleaning the dishes. I'm not happy. I don't care if they become Greek scholars and can parse Greek on cleaning the dishes. If you haven't obeyed it, I'm not happy. So the Bible just says as obedient children, God expects us to be obedient. Do you, if, if we're children, you know our father is God. And God is like, man, there's a whole lot I'm telling you about in scripture. And I expect that you would obey it. You know, when Jesus is about to, when he's about to ascend to heaven, the Bible says he dies. And then he hangs around about 40 days, shows himself to all of these people. And before he ascends back up to heaven, it sits on the right hand of the father. Do you know in Matthew 28, he's giving last instructions to the church? And in, it's called the great commission and giving last instructions for the church. One of the last little lines he says is teach them to observe all that I have commanded. So Jesus doesn't say, hey, go teach them how to how to parse the Greek on it. Jesus says, teach them to observe, teach them to be obedient, because obedience is a major step in holy living. Some of us just need to discipline ourselves on how to be obedient. That's what we need to discipline ourselves on. So the question becomes, well, what am I obedient to? You're obedient to what God tells us to do. What does he tell us to do? Look back at the word with me. I'm just kind of expositionally going through this passage. It says in verse number 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy. Here it is. Here's what you need to be obedient to. You also be holy in your conduct. Look at what Peter does. Peter says, be obedient, but I'm not just going to tell you to be obedient. I'm going to give you the command of what to be obedient to be holy. And then even in that, he doesn't just say be holy. He gives us the model of holiness because I'm holy. You know why he has to do that? Because many of us know that the way we view holiness is I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I don't eat edibles. They do. And so because because I'm a little bit. So we set the bar so low. And we think that because we jumped over that little hurdle that we holy live in, God is like, oh, oh, you thought there was a the standard. Be holy as I'm holy. Yeah. One of the ways that you can understand your holiness and grow in your holiness and sanctification is to constantly understand God's holiness. I'm convinced that many of us don't know how holy God is. Do you know how holy our Savior is? Do you know how holy? Like, there, there's a couple of ways that I see the holiness of God play out in Scripture. A couple of ways. One of those ways is the laws that he gave to us. What do I mean? Do you know in the Old Testament it's over 600 laws? Y'all know we ain't keeping them, right? Okay, forget 600. Let's boil it down to entry level, entry level 10. Let's do 10 commandments. The entry level, don't kill. Don't steal. We can't even obey that. And I know you're going, oh, Pastor B, I, be, I ain't never killed nobody. I'm good on that one. But do you know that Jesus tells us in Matthew that Jesus says that if you have anger in your heart against your brother, you already committed the sin of murder? Okay, so you're going, oh, well, Pastor B, I'm good, though, because it's only one. I'm still keeping nine others. Then he goes on later and says, if you fail at one of them, you're accountable for all of it. So in other words, The holiness of God can be seen in the fact that he set laws that he's able to keep and you can. not How do I know he can keep them? Because Jesus kept them and he's fully God. Jesus comes on the scene and doesn't break a single law fully. And this is what I love about Jesus. He fulfills the law. The reason why you and I ain't cutting up no bulls and goats and here and sacrificing no animals, because Jesus has fully fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled it. And so Ten Commandments, Jesus like, oh, I I killed that. I murdered that. And then what makes it so dope is Jesus. Remember, in the beginning, I said it's a, a positional sanctification. He kept the law and then imputed it to you as though you kept it. And then the reason he was so brutally murdered was because he took our sin and he sat on the cross as though he lived like you. And you get to stand before God and hear well done, thy good and faithful servant, as though you live like him, because he kept the law. The holiness of God can be seen through the laws that he gave to man. Second place that you can see the holiness of God is the very cross of Christ. The fact that he was willing, Matthias, to brutally murder. And I want to highlight the word brutally murder his own son. For our salvation shows you God ain't playing with sin. The reason God crushed his son was because he saw our sin on him. And the Bible says that he was condemned. And not only that, do you know the emotion tied to it? This messes me up. Ephesians chapter 53 verse 10 says, uh, it pleased the father to crush the son. It pleased him. This is how holy God is. He is willing to crush his one and only son so that you can get liberty. And I don't know why you're sitting there and not rejoicing over the fact that Jesus absorbed our sin. We can see the holiness of God by looking at the cross of Christ. A holy one absorbs our sin. You know, many of us rejoice, you know, over the wrath of God being satisfied. But, you you know, I know that there are some of you in here that don't know the Lord. I'm not beating you up. I, I know you're in here. No, not, not yet. Not yet. I got a little bit more sermon. This is second service. I'm gonna keep going for a little bit. Got a little bit more, Matthias. You rushing me, bro. Um, you know, many of us don't think that we'll ever stand before the Lord, especially those of us that don't, you know, those of you who don't know the Lord. And you know that that wrath that was on Jesus, It still remains. You know, many of us rejoice in, in this room over the fact that John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we rejoice over that. Have you ever read verse 36? Verse 36 says, whoever does not obey the son shall not see life and the wrath of God remains. And so this idea of the cross, the idea of God's wrath still stands in judgment against those of you who do not know the Lord. And I'm not beating you up. I'm actually giving you an opportunity to trust him today. Today can be that day because the holiness of God is best seen through the laws. And the holiness of God is best seen through how he crushes his one and only son. I'm going to finish here. The last way I think that we can pursue holiness is by Bible intake. Look at verse 16. Verse 15. But as you but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your all your conduct since it is written. Again, he quotes Leviticus 1144. He says, you shall be holy for I am holy. I love that Peter ends this time by giving a scripture because how Peter could have ended it by saying be holy because God is holy and just given a thought. But he says, no, I'm not asking you to be holy because I think it's a good idea. I'm asking you to be holy because the word of God says so. And so what he does is he shows us underneath that is that one of the ways that we pursue holiness is by constant Bible intake. No, forget constant daily Bible intake. I don't read the Bible every day because I'm a pastor. I read it because I need to feed my spirit. And some of you are waiting for those moments. You know, you're looking at your your devotional time is boring. Can I promise you 90 percent of devotional time is, is boring? It's only 10 climactic moments. 10% of them are like, oh, man, I felt the spirit of the Lord. Most of it is mundane. I just want to free you up because many of you stopped the Bible playing because it was boring. It's all right that it's was boring. Last night I needed to go to sleep and I couldn't sleep. And Ty was in the bed. She was, you know, taking, you know, she's doing some emails. And, and I'm trying to go to sleep and I couldn't go to sleep. You know what I did to fall asleep? I put on a dwell app. I put my earphones and I let the word of God read to me. Now, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the word, but just sometimes it's, it's just mundane. But you never know how God is. Remember I talked about battle. You never know how God is storing up weapons for later. You ever been in front of somebody and you was talking to them and you was ministering to them. And then the Lord pulled out a verse. He was like, shoot, I didn't even know I knew that verse. And you read it three months ago. That's God storing up for battle. This is why nobody goes into battle without a sword. Many of you are weaponless. You're trying to fight the enemy. Here's what messes me up. Even Jesus had to use the word of God, Miguel, to fight off the enemy. Even Jesus is the word, and he still used the word to fight off the enemy. Remember in Matthew 4, when the Bible says that the enemy came to tempt him, and why did he fight him off? He gave him three scriptures from Deuteronomy. Man can't live by bread alone. Deuteronomy 8.3, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, do you know that the enemy didn't leave? He stayed there and was persistent, Then he says, oh, oh, you're still here. Okay, Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you know that the enemy was still persistent? Oh, you're still here. Deuteronomy 6.13, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him shall you serve only. And then verse 11 of Matthew chapter 4 says, then the devil left. He only left because Jesus would not go, oh, what's that verse? Um, what, what did they say on Sunday? Because you all know, a lot of us are Sunday only Bible readers. What, what is that verse that they went over on Sunday? No, Jesus was like, oh, oh, you're here. Deuteronomy six. Deuteronomy. And that's fight. You need fighting verses. And the enemy, when that enemy that prowls around like a lion comes up to you, you need fighting verses that I'm about to land a place to. You need fighting verses that you can fight off the enemy with. Brothers, sisters, you know, when you're so tempted sexually and it's outside of marriage, when you're so tempted, you need to be like, oh, wait, but Romans 12 says, I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is my reasonable service. When you're struggling with that addiction, you're like, I can't overcome this addiction. You have to, oh, Paul says in Galatians chapter five, verse 16, for if I walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Many of us are trying to fight, but we don't have weapons. You need weapons. And what is the greatest weapon? The word of God. So what does Peter say? He says, be holy, be holy. Gird up your mind. Be sober minded. Oh, but you can't do that absent of the word of God as it is written. Be holy because I am holy. Epiphany, listen, as I land this plane, I have absolutely no desire to pastor a growing church that's a cesspool of sin. I have have no desire, like zero desire. Like I'll, I'll do something else. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll do something else. I have no desire to pastor a church full of spiritual infants that are not growing up. And I'm not calling you an infant, but all of us started as, infant, as an infant and we begin to grow. What does Paul say later on in this book? He says, crave the milk of the word that by it you may grow up. And many of you, I'm calling you to the carpet because many of you need to spiritually grow up. You still struggling with that? You still wrestling with that? I don't think we know that we actually can live a life that is free. I don't think we know that we can overcome that sin. But I'm preaching to somebody today. You can overcome it today because holiness is real and you can attain a, a, a better level, a higher level of sanctification. Now, listen, you don't ever graduate. But we keep we keep serving. We keep serving the Lord. We keep growing. So I want to be more mature than I was yesterday. I want to be more mature than I was last week. But many of us have trusted in the Lord and we're good with being the same. God never saved you that you wouldn't, that you would keep the same rhythm. He transforms everything. You can play something soft. I wanna pray, man. I wanna pray because I know, I know that there's many people that are in the room right now that are wrestling with this idea of overcoming. You ain't gotta listen, today ain't the day in a confessional. You ain't gotta come and tell me anything. But I do think you need to do business with the Lord. Because, yes, there's grace. Yeah, when we fall and we, you know, I know we make mistakes and built into that relationship to keep him from killing you is grace. I I get that. But I also know that he does have a desire for you to grow. And some of us haven't grown. Some of us haven't grown. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray for you. If that's you, if that's you, if you would say, that's me. I know I was long today, y'all. That's me. I want to pray to grow. I want to spiritually mature would you do me a favor would you come on down here would you come on down to this altar if you're like I, I, need, I need to get my mind right thank you for coming my mind has been all over the place thank you for coming I have not girded up the loins of my mind I have not been sober minded I have not walked in the truthfulness of what the scripture says what does he say be obedient as, as children I have not been obedient as a child Look at these folk that are coming to the altar because they want transformation and change. They're coming because they want more of Jesus. And listen, those of you who are sitting, if you know, maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while. And you got in that season of coasting. Y'all know that season. Y'all know the season of coasting is where we usually fall, right? In the season where I, I read enough, I prayed enough. Those are the seasons enemy comes in and devours us every head bowed and every eye closed but i'm looking at an army of people that want to follow you that are not okay being surface christians that are not okay skimming the word but i'm looking at people that really want change and transformation and so today oh god i pray that today would be the day pray for each and every mind each and every mind each and every mind each and every mind Lord the battle starts there so Lord would you guard their minds protect them from the filth of this world protect them from the fouls of the enemy and Lord because they're gonna grow in their faith I pray that it would be contagious everybody around us would grow in our faith that we'd be better husbands because we are growing in our faith that we'd be better wives because it's growing in our faith that we'd be better singles because we are growing in our faith father i pray oh god for spiritual sanctification i pray for holy living i pray for overcoming i pray that we wouldn't be okay being the same that we would look more like jesus that's that's the one thing all of us as believers have in common we're all trying to look like Jesus. So, Father, oh God, I pray that you would help us. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit's work in our life that chisels us to look more like Son, your son. So, Father, I pray for that spiritual surgery. pray, oh God, that sanctification, Lord, that we would realize that sanctification in the overnight process. But I pray that we would realize that it, it, it's a journey. And just when we thought we overcame, We fall. But Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you are gracious and merciful to us. Let us not stay there. We came to this altar today because we want more of you. So help us to move and grow. And and people, I pray that people around us would see it and ask us, what is it about you? And we can say, I girded up the loins of my mind. My mind is sober. I'm alert now. I got Bible intake now. Father, I pray that that would be relevant in the lives of those that came to the altar and I'm not just praying for those that are on the altar but Lord those that are in their seats you desire for all of us to go from spiritual death to spiritual life but then it didn't stop there you want us to go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so I pray this time next year everybody that is on this altar will see tangible change Pray as a church that we would see tangible change, that we would experience growth, but it'd be healthy growth. Cut off tumors now, cut off cancer now, cut off cysts now, stop the spread of gangrene and gossip now. Father, do the things that only you can do. And Father, we promise we will give you the praise because there's nobody worthy of it but you. Because this process of sanctification is a work that you do in our hearts. We cannot do it on our own. So I thank you for each and every one of them. Pray that they will go back to their seats renewed, refreshed, and transformed. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray and give glory. Amen.